Hey guys, I'm Ethan, co-host of the Shield Wall Podcast. First off, thank you guys so much for listening. I wanted to ask all of you who enjoy our content to subscribe and comment wherever you listen. Follow us on social media. We're on all major platforms. If you have any episode suggestions or questions, definitely shoot us an email at shieldwallministries at gmail.com. Welcome to the Shield Wall Podcast, where tempered men are formed. of the Shield Wall Podcast. My name is Cody. I have got a special guest in the studio today. His name is Daniel. Daniel, how you doing, brother? Cody, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm actually really excited. We're gonna. You're the first of a few musicians and artists that are going to come on nice. and doing some uh, guest shows with me. And right. what's really neat is you're a believer. You, you, you confess Christ as your Savior, and I love that. Absolutely. I mean, this is something where... I think I heard you lead worship about four years ago, maybe I mean, maybe yeah. four or three years ago. Yeah, and you've got a style. I mean, you're a worship leader, but I could just tell that you're an artist. Hmm. There's kind of... there's a difference between when you're in a church, and you're like, oh, that guy was available to <laughs> sing a song, <laughs> and that's not to diminish God's no, worshipers. No, but then there's the that guy has a talent given to him from the Lord, and it's not mm. just for the church. Mm. Like he is to make art, he is to make uh, purposeful music. And it's a talent that you could probably go and shine the name of Christ hidden in a work that's not explicitly Christian. Yeah, absolutely. And so you know that of yourself probably now. The Lord has identified that in your well, life. thank you. That's, I mean, it's it's always encouraging kind to, to hear what other people are thinking. You know, I, I, I love music. I love whether it's in a church or in a venue or something like that. I definitely feel like it's something I'm, I'm called to do. Yeah. And you have been called to do that, and it's a commission from him, and you know that, and you work yeah. you work that out as an act back to the Lord, which is probably what makes being an artist and a Christian uh, one of those uh, fine tensions. Sure, You know sure. what I mean? Is my work explicitly Christian, or is right, it right. You know, a work, right. and it's in the name of the Lord because my heart's in it yeah. for the Lord. Yeah. And so before we get into that, um, who are you? Where'd you come from? Tell us a little bit about about yourself. Well, my name is Daniel Heffington. Uh, I live in Northern Virginia near D.C., but I, as everyone who talks to me loves to loves to mention, I, I cannot stop telling people that I'm from Virginia Beach. I, I yeah, grew up do. there. You mentioned and, that. Yeah, so everyone always says, Daniel, yeah, watch, he'll tell you he's from Virginia Beach. So <laughs> shout out to Virginia Beach, my hometown, not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> maybe a sponsor. Um but uh, yeah, that's where I'm from. I moved up here um, about five years ago to the Northern Virginia uh, region, where we're actually taping this tonight. Yep. I don't think I don't know if they call it taping anymore. We're using digital technology, right. but I think it's taping. That's yeah, world. It's cool. called taping. Recording yeah, taping. it's called taping. We're taping this tonight in Northern Virginia. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm from. Uh, I, uh, I I like life up here, and I, I like that I got to stay in Virginia because it's like my home state forever. You totally went from the north to the south, though. That's and you went well, to other way around. I went from oh, the yeah, south sorry. to the north. Yeah, and you went to a fake north. Like, well, yeah. I, I mean, it's it feels sometimes more like DC up yeah. here, but but it's Virginia, and yep. and I live in a small town, and we have a coffee shop just around the corner. So it's what it's is that community. coffee shop? 
It is called Cordial Coffee. So they are the, legit. Yeah, that's actually, if you're ever in Berryville, there's a few little namesakes like that. The Cordial Coffee is... You gotta go there. It's a pretty delicious cup Brandon of coffee. Brandon is the guy who runs it. He roasts all the beans right there in front of you sometimes. He's got a roaster. Yeah, like the this, actual coffee it's beautiful. It's, it's like a whole craft. He's, he's incredible. It's like micro-brew, small-batch coffee. And so now you're up here. Uh, you brought your talents from South Beach. Yeah, Virginia like Beach. Virginia yeah. Beach. Yeah, like LeBron James <laughs> trans- transferred north up to uh, Northern Virginia. And while you were here, you're pursuing your your career, mm-hmm. but you're also doing what the Lord's called you to do, yeah. which is music. And Absolutely. then along the way, there's always a story about a girl. Sure, of course. Let's hear that. Yeah. So uh, I I'm married. My lovely wife is Abigail. She's a North Carolina girl, and we met each other. Uh, at like a friend of a friend's uh, dance they were having one time. And we basically just like said, hey, and <laughs> and that's just where we officially met each other. It wasn't like, you know, love at first sight or something. But we kind of became friends, kept in touch a little bit. And then it, it definitely became like more than friends. And it was it was cool. We, we started dating and got married. And we've been married for about, uh, we've been married for five years now. You've been, you, when you... We're dating her. You were traveling from Northern Virginia to yeah, yeah, to North Carolina. About, yeah, like, I can't come to the Bible study because yeah. I'll be on the road. Yeah, exactly. Um, we we uh, started kind of like two hours apart, and that was the closest we ever were while we were dating was two hours apart. And then I moved up here, and it was like you know six hours apart or something. And so there were a lot of trips up and down Interstate ninety five, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of uh, weekends of me going down to her parents and crashing on the couch and hanging out as much as possible until I had to drive back up to be at work on on Monday. In that transition um, from dating to marriage, you said now five years, followed the engagement, you went and got married, and yep. then over five, nine months, yep. you, you have a baby. You right. have two, actually, right? Yeah, yeah. We have uh, a three-year-old and a almost one-year-old, and uh, Ellie is three, and, and Piper's the one who's almost one. That's beautiful. Now, Piper, what's that mean? What would that come from? Um, we were gonna name. We were thinking about naming our daughter. Piper. Oh, cool, cool. Um, it's a name we liked. <laughs> That's good. And, and uh, it it can you know you can like do like a meaning search and and find different meanings for it. But mostly we just uh, both spent a long time talking about names and wanted to find one that we both not just like one of us loved and one of us tolerated. Like mm-hmm. we just wanted it to be like something that we both really liked, and we did, and it felt. Uh, Special and and right and and she was named Piper Piper Ann Piper Ann yeah that's cool man um one of the questions that your kids are gonna probably ask you when you get a little older is what you know if they don't already see it in your life but why'd you do that like why are you doing what you're doing in life right now yeah yeah and thinking about um I don't know fifteen twenty years down the road is what you're doing now you can answer this maybe progressively okay worth your whole life. And those are questions that men probably don't ask themselves as often as they should when they start into a career or pursue you know, something that's naturally been gifted to them, like music. Sure, sure. People will do music because they think it's fun and interesting, right, right. but they're not good at it. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. You're good at it. So when your kids ask you, or when you look back 15 years from now, um, is what you're doing what God's called you to do? And how's how's the plan working out? Like, where are you at in the stage of being a being a musician? Yeah. Um, so 
that's a funny question. Like, is it is it worth your life? Because I don't I don't really know of of anything. I know very few things that I would say are worth your life. Um, I think that uh, that living a life for Christ is obviously worth your life. You know, the people that you love, your family, the ones that are closest to you, community, friends, that kind of stuff. Um, I've never been the person where it's like I was a little kid and I knew that this was going to be my career or this was mm-hmm. going to be my job. It was it was not like that. And even the stuff I'm in today, I mean, I'm a musician, an artist, I record, I play shows, but I also have a day job and I work for a, a, a nonprofit. And I don't know any of that stuff that it's going to be, you know, around forever or how long it's going to last. But I definitely feel like I'm where I'm, I'm called to be today. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful and excited to be part of all of these things. And, you know, ultimately, I, I hope that my life is characterized by following a path that, that God was behind and mm-hmm. twists and turns and mistakes and all that along the way. But um, that I feel very comfortable about mm-hmm. being worth my life. Um, you know, one thing arbitrarily, uh, that that's a lot harder to be convinced of. <laughs> that's an awesome answer. And that your kids will hear that, hopefully. Hopefully. Maybe in several years, they'll look back and say it was a pursuit after Christ. Hopefully, yeah. And that's a that's a good segue because you're ultimately not following those talents or the opportunities. Sure. You're following the the unction and the leading of the Holy yeah, Spirit, yeah. right? And yeah. you want to lead lead a life that your children will look at, and you you'll you're not going to honor them with a legacy, but you're teaching them as well. Sure. Patience, yeah. diligence, and I know our kids. We have little ones. Yeah. Like mine's four, three, and one. Those those are fun ages. Yeah, very fun, and we don't really think in light of the momentary disciplines, mm-hmm. but they're watching mm-hmm. and God's given us the uh, responsibility to be you know, involved in their lives and being available to them. Yeah. And so when you became a Christian mm-hmm. and maybe talk about that. Okay. And um, what was going on in your life? Were you raised in the church? Did yeah. You, did yeah. You? So I was, I was about as raised in the church as you can get. Um, I, uh, I, my dad, for a, lo- a good part of my childhood, was on staff at a pretty big church mm-hmm. uh, back in Virginia Beach doing music and other stuff. And then I was, um, I, I accepted Jesus in my heart, as the little kids like to say, when I was about eight years old. Awesome. So uh, that God. was, yeah, that was that was back then. Um, however, it, like with anything, it was a, a journey and a lot, a lot has changed since that, you know, eight year old praying to to ask Jesus to come and live inside my heart. It you know, that was that was real, that was awesome, that was, you know, important. But I I can also trace, you know, looking back now over the years that from that time, about eight years old to probably about sixteen years old, I was definitely living a life that was based on much more of a mindset of trying to earn God's acceptance and approval. Mm rather than living from God's acceptance and approval as as the starting point of the Christian life. And I think that that's a, a huge key difference. And for me, that was a, a massive switch and transformation that God kind of, you know, worked into my life and in my heart through the through the teen years there in that transition. And that, um, you know, I, I think it was, the journey started back when I was eight, but it's definitely changed and and progressed a lot since then. What would be a key moment in your life where that switched? Uh, not one key moment, but I would say a season of just like when I was like maybe 14, 15, 16, mm-hmm. you know, trying like, you know, you, you, you 
become a teenager, you're like, you know, if you were raised in the church, you're like, okay, so either you just kind of take the route of like, I'm going to goof off and just kind of be a teenager for a while. I was more like the performance oriented perfectionist kid. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I have to be serious about being, you know, a Christian. And that really, what that led me into was basically just trying really hard not to let God down. Mm-hmm. And the gospel is is the opposite of that. Like <laughs> the gospel is we we have totally let God down. You know, mm-hmm. we've we've totally screwed up. But the beauty of it is that like that's where he enters the story and says, Guess what? I love you and I came to take care of this. I came mm-hmm. to pay the price. And so that, you know, of course, like every kid in Sunday school almost can say something like that. But to live from that as your core, I think is a lot different than than I was living as a as a young Christian, just kind of like, oh yeah, do good stuff, mm-hmm. try to you know make God proud of you, and that's 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 not how how we're supposed to grow or live as as followers of Christ. And so, at what point did you recognize that you were musician, like you you were talented, you could pick up guitar up or you could sing because you can sing. Well, thank you. <laughs> I love to sing. I was. Uh, I was raised by musicians. So there you go. Um, I was raised by a pack of wild musicians. <laughs> um, <laughs> both my parents actually went to school for music, um, much more on the classical side of things. My dad was a music educator and then did uh, the church where I, I grew up, had a 70-piece orchestra wow. every single weekend. And so that was his job, was like directing this orchestra. And um, so I was around music constantly. Uh, as a little kid, my mom would take me to like her gigs and her rehearsals and her practices. And I would be like in a, in a backpack carrier <laughs> there for like this, you know, formal like brass quintet or something mm-hmm. at like a wedding or a Christmas thing. Like there's literally a picture of me in like an infant tuxedo in a backpack carrier, like this formal, like we're going to need that music event. Podcast. I don't know if I have that picture, <laughs> but uh, I'll see what I can do. I'll put your face. Yeah. On your <laughs> no, <baby>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, a very musical upbringing. So is that what they did for income? It was for, for a long time. My dad was actually a band director and then both of my parents taught private lessons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then my dad, you know, did like church music, but still in that whole like orchestral side of things, I started like, you know, taking some like music theory lessons mm-hmm. and, and playing, uh, on, you know, those like whistle things that they mm-hmm. call recorders, you know, yeah. so I learned that. And my dad kind of introduced all of us kids to the basics of music theory with that. Um, so, what age did you learn music theory or get your uh, feet wet with that? Like pretty young, like a little, probably like eight or ten. Um, and then I started playing trumpet for a very brief time because mm-hmm. my parents were both brass players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listened to music like forever. I was like the the uh, raised on Stephen Curtis Chapman CDs. Like I would clean my room pull the liner notes out of the album and just like lay on the floor reading through like every single liner notes and wow. funny story i just got to go to nashville this november and like meet some people and one of the guys i met was like i reached out to him because his name had like appeared in all the liner notes as like a producer or you a bass player that. and i remembered that of like this childhood moments of like looking through the liner notes and he was willing to like meet up and hang out so oh, cool. it was so fun um but anyways that was kind of like the, the music I listened to was like in the pop rock side of things, like from, from forever. My parents kind of had this classical music thing going on. And then when I was a teenager, 
I, I'm making myself sound like I was like no fun as a teenager. I was no somewhat it's, fun it's, as a teenager, but music like music is always fun. When you're but a like, but he, no, but listen, when I was a teenager, I said I will never. I made the commitment. Like I was like dead serious. I looked at my sisters and I was like, I'm never going to play guitar <laughs> because what? Because <laughs> all of my like dumb, lovable teenage friends would get guitars not know how to tune them, not know how to play them. I didn't know how to play them, but I would look at them and I'm like, this is like the opposite of like beautiful music. This is like, you got a guitar and pretended like you knew how to play it. <laughs> Learn one song to impress a girl. And you know, then it's like dusty in the corner. And I just like, that's so typical. It's so basic. I'm not going to be that kid. <laughs> and then when I was 15, my, my granddad, who was like seventies at the time, mm-hmm. decided he wanted to learn how to play guitar. Wow. So he gets this guitar, learns how to play some songs, and then he's like, great, I did it, and I'm done. And then he's like, you guys want a guitar? And I was like, whatever. So we had like this guitar lying around, and I started poking at it and messing with it a little bit. And then I was like, well, I guess I could learn something. I could figure something out. And then it was like just snowball from there, and it became like my instrument and my deal. And and then I'd actually, uh, I've been writing songs since I was like, eight years old or something and i would just like make up little melodies and lyrics jot them down on scraps of paper and hide them Mm -hmm. and (laughs) hide them i was i was very embarrassed because i was like i was not i had no claim to being a singer songwriter i was just Mm -hmm. like a little kid thinking of songs yeah or something yeah yeah yours i hid them in a fake book that was hollowed out on the inside oh so uh... like it was real (laughs) And um, my you went into some thinking about how I was you were gonna hide yeah this. I was like well I had a lot of siblings I'm like somebody's gonna find this like you know, um, my mom like found scraps of of lyrics when I was she was like cleaning my room or something and she was like did you write this I was like no <laughs> she like knew I did because like who else is in my room writing songs you know <laughs> yeah so then she was kind of like coaxed it out of me over time I was like yeah I guess I kind of write some songs but um and you got I, these whole like right right yeah song. yeah but I didn't know what to do with them I didn't play an instrument that facilitated writing mm-hmm. songs so um when I learned guitar then it kind of clicked and I was like this is an instrument that you can sing while you play or mm-hmm. this is you know trumpet you can't do that Mm-hmm. you know recorder you're, you're, recorder you can't yep. do that um but this was like something i could now accompany myself playing songs and singing songs which was great because i love to do that and then also starting to figure out music to some of the songs that i'd kind of been writing and then of course they were all really terrible do you have any songs. of those now that you've can, that you've kept like not no recordings but i could i could think up a really mm-hmm. old song that i wrote when i was tiny and figure it out tiny. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you've got the uh, guitar down. Um, we're gonna <laughs> play the music when this posts. Oh, we'll, we'll edit that and we'll put some. Love it. And I've been to your shows. I've been cool. to a few of those. Yeah. Where um, Thank you. They... I don't take that for granted. <laughs> <laughs> no, we went to where's where's the venue that um, it's in Great Falls or Jam and Java. Jam and Java. Jam and Java. That was probably shout one out of the to most... Jam and Java. Yeah, we'll hashtag those guys as well. Yeah. It was probably the most exciting because I'd seen you at a local church, right? Okay, sure. And I've seen you. Um, probably a coffee shop or mm-hmm. you set up your guitar and you yeah, play. Yeah. And I've seen you stuff on the internet. I think may have, I, I may have heard you like through one of the, um, like just streaming somewhere. Okay. But seeing you live on that stage was like, oh, that's where he's supposed to be. <laughs> nice. It's like that moment for you. Like I think yeah, everybody yeah. acknowledges that. Oh, uh, cool. 
but it was really awesome to see that. And um, there's probably been more people in your life that are influential and encouraging to you. But that was a moment where it's kind of like, that guy's going to be someone. Uh, and I really, know him. That's kind of you, man. And it was like a groupie moment for several of us <laughs> there. And Gabe Vega was there. I mean, oh, Andrew, yeah, Andrew, yeah. Andrew, Andrew Sales was there. Yes. And um, But no, the name dropping some more friends. Yeah. But there's a moment where you realize in your heart where you're like, this is what I want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You said earlier you have a job. Yeah, yeah. You work for a nonprofit that yep. provides for you and your family. Yeah, and I love that. Like, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. You've taken up, you know, you're your man. You've taken up the responsibility to provide for your family. Sure. And it's sure. an income that's steady and it's got a purpose attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. That a little bit later. Absolutely. But in your, um, your, your, um, your ability to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Yep. But also at the, at the same time, um, you know, consider art. Mm-hmm. And yeah. make good music. Absolutely. Like, talk about that. Okay. And how sure. that kind of like, you know, there's a, there's an there's been a long going conversation with contemporary music or Christian yeah. music. Uh huh. Where what does it mean to be Christian and an artist? Is yeah. It Christian music or yeah. Or like, are you a Christian who makes, makes music? Music. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah so no. I I definitely work that out for the listening audience sure. for either the uneducated or I, people that are long ride for that conversation. You know, like you say, the discussion's been going on for a long time, so I don't know that I have anything to to add that's like going to bring a conclusion to that discussion i doubt we'll finish that you know tonight for everyone tonight <laughs> but uh but you know my i'll give my perspective which is you know i i definitely view myself more in the boat of of a christian who makes art and mm-hmm. you know it's like i heard somebody say it's like you know you talk about christian music do you have christian plumbing <laughs> like lawyers. Do you have christian you know you do you have like christians doing all this stuff um it's not like songs can accept Christ as their savior or something, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like a song can be like going to heaven per se. Right. Um, but you know, it's just this it's I think that I don't know about the average person listening to to the podcast, but it's like I was raised, you know, as as a Christian, I was raised in the church. And I think sometimes in in the church subculture we can we can get this, you know, kind of fictional divide of like there's you know normal stuff and then there's spiritual stuff mm-hmm. and and there's you know you you call it the sacred secular divide whatever you want to call it if you're going to do this for god you've got to do it really churchy right. like you know if you're going to if you're going to do if you're going to hang out with friends and watch a movie you better pray yeah before you hang out and watch a movie you know mm-hmm. It's still what we, we we say we sprinkle a little Jesus on it, right? Right, and you it's know. like <laughs> it's you get yeah. away with a whole bunch. Yeah, exactly. Sprinkle a little, little Jesus on yeah, it. Yeah, no, no disrespect. For right, no, of the Lord, no, no. You can see how it's like. Yeah, well, it's we like churchinize this. Right, exactly. And I think that that's you know so so like diminishing yeah. of of who of who God is and and what you know the beauty of the Christian life. And I think that God created us to to bring Him glory and. We can do that in so many ways. There's like immense freedom and immense possibility. And I think sometimes with possibly good intentions, we create these fake boxes and fake parameters for what can bring God glory. And you can bring God glory leading worship in church, singing these, you know, sacred, very like spiritually, you know, explicitly spiritual songs, like, you know, worship songs. I love it. I do that. We, you, you know, you and I have been in church and I've been leading worship songs and I love that. Like I wouldn't trade it for the world. Mm-hmm. But then I also am found, you know, in clubs and bars playing songs that I've written to crowds who, you know, may or may not have any context for, mm-hmm. for faith or, or 
religion or anything like that, but they're, you know, there's still something beautiful about that. And I don't think that, I don't think that, you know, God is only glorified when we're singing the church songs, though he is and, and can be, but it's also glorifying to God, you know, who, who created those notes, who created, mm-hmm. who created audio, who created rhythm, who created melody. Like when we were combining those things and it's stirring people's hearts, like there's something about that. And it's like, that's glorifying to God too. You know, mm-hmm. like, like when we're, when we're just kind of excelling or, or creating in the, the veins and in the, in the arenas that he's, that he's let us play in, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like a playpen, like go, go do something awesome here and do it for him. And, and you're glorifying God, you know, it's mm-hmm. a lot of it is heart motivation because you can do something that looks spiritual and do it for yourself. Or you can do something that looks, you know, super normal and basic and yet be doing it for, you know, for, for Jesus. Like, and, and there's, I think there's really no good way for somebody on the outside to like size it up and be like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's, that's glorifying God. That's not, you know, Mm -hmm. there's certain, you're doing something like that's actually wrong, like, like explicitly, <laughs> explicitly wrong going against the commandment. Yeah, of the Lord. then that's yeah. you know that's that's a good indicator that you're not in the right spot. And but uh, here's something that's kind of uh, we don't have to do any names on this one, but yeah, people who have in their musical careers have yeah. started off in that Christian vein, uh-huh. and then they've kind of went to the curious place of we'll just call it secularism, uh-huh, uh-huh. and then they've come out and they've basically renounced Christianity almost mm, completely yeah. because of cultural Christianity. Okay, sure. Or the yeah. church aspect yeah, of yeah. the rise of the political right or right, whoever right. they are, the evangelical. Sure. And they haven't really rejected Jesus, but they mm-hmm. have. They've rejected the Jesus of the church. Mm-hmm. And they make worship music now that's not worshipful towards the Lord. Okay. But in their own context, they're making... Uh, it's not even alternative Christian music. It's <laughs> like the antithesis to what they believe is what should have been made in the original place. Of. Okay. It's just like they've, they're not really responding. Um, maybe my words here are mangled a little bit. That they're responding to people more than they uh-huh. are. Like than, a reflex to, yeah. you know, and it's kind of like you're li- literally living in a place of um, probably condemnation in your own, in your own yeah, life yeah. rather than trying to explore yeah. more art. I, I think that like just generally the idea of making art as a, strictly a reflex is not usually where where the best the best art the the most beautiful art is created um but yeah i mean you know that's a that's a complicated subject because there are certain things that i think are 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 fine to like you know challenge and and well i'll bring one up status quo you know you like it was a big issue a few years ago like this band who was christian Mm mm-hmm swore in an album oh okay yeah and it's like would daniel ever push the envelope or go to the edge <laughs> yeah, to yeah. make a cultural statement that says cursing is not a sin or whatever it's right, permissible right, right. because of uh cultural understanding of words versus <laughs> what an old testament cuss word would be. right right you don't have to answer that would, would daniel do that <laughs> but um does that serve a greater purpose of pushing the boundary for artistic purposes yeah. or is that like a personal grudge they have against people and <laughs> That's a I don't good know. question. Who don't know I think there's that, yeah, but. I think there's probably like that's a that's a good question for them. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> I'm just curious cuz yeah. the Christian uh, music world to me and in, in that like bubble uh-huh. seems to be like uh-huh. exactly that. Like 
If you're in it, you've got one position. Right, right. Yeah. And I do think that's a, like, I mean, I'm not going to be very original here, but I genuinely believe that, like, bands like Switchfoot and bands like that have just done, like, this incredible job of showing how somebody can be a person of faith, a, a follower of Jesus, and still be in in the public square, like the mainstream space and and sharing things that are good, true, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But they're not just the good, true, and beautiful things that will only resonate with somebody who's already, you know, in a in a follower of Christ mindset. I think that there's something that there's something really beautiful and really, really special about creating good, true, and beautiful things that can resonate with just anyone. Mm-hmm. And then God is God is the God of things that are good, true, and beautiful. And so as you're spending time with that, mm-hmm. it's not going to leave you unchanged. And, you know, that that's that's all part of it. And so it's it's I think it's a, a beautiful opportunity and and you know, I, I live in both worlds. I live in like mainstream pop rock world and I live in church music world and I wouldn't trade either of them. Like I you know, no, don't make me pick because I couldn't. <laughs> Because you've already decided who your master is. Yeah, I mean, for, sure. for you, you said that in the very first question I asked you about, is this um, worth your whole life? Yeah, yeah. Your response was, "My treasures in Christ." Yeah, not my, not quite that succinct, but sure. That's what I heard, <laughs> and that's what your kids are going to hear. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Stay the course, and that's going to be a great legacy for them to witness, like your parents did. You mm-hmm. know, they were musicians, mm-hmm. right? Yep. They made a uh, profit off that. They lived life that way, and yep. Saul. Um, not only the natural talents in themselves be worked out to God's glory, sure, but your their kids saw the benefits of that, mm-hmm. and they're watching. Yeah, and like, yeah. it's not all about us. No, you know. No. And as a young parent, like thankfully, we, we yeah, right. It'd be very miserable. Oh, be chasing miserable. after like so much pressure. You know, like yeah, like you gotta. I mess up way too much to <laughs> hold myself up as a perfect example. <laughs> Talking about messing up, let's talk about some of your favorite songs that you've created. Oh, cool. Um, right. maybe some regrettable things or okay. some, uh, really good highlights that you want to okay. talk about. <laughs> All right. Like a musical, uh, timeline. Okay. So, sure. W- first album, first release. Yeah. Maybe yeah. an embarrassing story, something like okay, that. Okay. Well, well, thankfully I have a weird and kind of, um, abnormal musical progression, I guess, because for better or for worse, I was super pleased and super thankful with my first record because awesome. the flip side to that because that sounds like kind of, you know, arrogant or something. It's because I've only released one and I just Hey-o. released it last year. Um so it's uh it's called Only the Broken. It's available on all the platforms, you know, shameless plug. Um but but I love it and I'm and I'm pleased with it and I think it's, you know, good music at least for the music and that you, I create. You chose only the Broken. Yeah. What does that mean? So um I mean, the... I don't think anyone can fit in that category. You're saying only the broken? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, I know. Like <laughs> such an exclusive title. No one can relate. It's a good title. Um and uh yeah, so the the title for the record actually comes from one of the one of the songs, the last song on the record, and there's a line that says only the broken can be healed. Hmm. And it's kind of like the concept that like I think all of us are quick to be like, Oh yeah, I want healing. Like like, you know, I want I want that, like I want wholeness, I want healing, but What's funny is that it's a lot harder, I think, and I know for me, it's a lot harder to say because I'm broken. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's like it's implied because you can't fix something that's not broken. Mm-hmm. And so if you're saying, you know, I want wholeness, I want healing, 
then evidently we don't have that. And and if we if we aren't whole and if we aren't healed, then then we're broken, and that's our our, our starting point. But you know, if we're honest with ourselves, there's nobody who doesn't connect with that. And yeah. so, but that's also the beauty of it is that um, it's kind of scary. It's you know that we're like saying, yeah, that's me. Um, but it's it's also the beginning of hope, and and it's not supposed to be scary like like it's 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 not surprising to god it's not um it, it catches us off guard because sometimes mm-hmm. we we're kind of because we were kind of impressed with ourselves mm-hmm. you know but but like but yeah it's 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 a beautiful place but it's also um it's also real like yeah, the entry real. point to the gospel is admission of not yeah. only guilt but yeah. brokenness like yeah. it do, it's not working yeah it's not working yeah. out and so i i saw that title of it it is all inclusive to those yeah. that want it that's like the gospel call like if yeah. you believe you need this right come to the admission that you're broken right right and so that's your uh title song it's the name of the album yeah how many tracks you got on it it's, it's an ep so it's three tracks we've oh, got, got um starts with uh glory which is a which is a really fun song and then shipwreck souls which is kind of our, that one's fun Thank you. It's like kind of was like our our lead single. If if an EP can have a lead single, that one had. If we're allowed to, that's that one. And you had um, t-shirts came out with that one. Yeah, right? yeah. We have uh, fun shipwreck souls t-shirts that. Uh, and they're uh, available. Yeah, they're still? available. Yeah, uh, hit me up. Um, what's your what's e- up? Your, what's your email? Uh, or, um, my email is danielhavingtonmusic at gmail dot com. Feel free to shoot me an email. We'll be pen pals. Um, <laughs> you can also check out my uh, website uh, danielhavington dot com. Um, yeah, so so you so, got glory, you got shipwreck, yeah. and then you got only the broken. Yeah, so we're gonna go through these real quick. Okay, glory. Sure. Yeah, I'm a Christian, so I got my eyes open to that one. Okay, cool. But it was kind of hard to pick up, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. But if I'm not a Christian, I'm yeah. looking at that and I'm thinking it's curious to me. Yeah. What do you yeah. mean by glory? So, glory is um, a story song. So it's a song that when you listen to it, it um, kind of tells a tale, and I think that the best experience is to like listen to the song and then you know, listen to what it leaves you, you know, the story that you're left with. But I'll, you know, recap is like, it's a, it's a tale of basically corruption of the, who's supposed to be the good guys. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, and I think that's something that even in the church, we, we, you know, heartbreakingly run into where it's like, it's like somebody that's supposed to be the good guys, you know, somebody who's singing glory. It's somebody who's like lifting up their hands in the name of Jesus. And, Yet there's either uh you know there's there's a there's a corruption there's hypocrisy there's there's harm being done in the name of good, and that's that's painful and really broken and really like messy. So that's kind of what this song starts out by is kind of telling the story of a situation like this. Um, one of the things I love about the song is that it turns around and it's kind of like it shows that even that is not too messy to be to be redeemed. There's there's no you know, in to, to specifically about faith, it's like there's nothing. If we're saying that we're all broken to begin with, if we're saying that we've all screwed up, then our screw ups, no matter what point along the line, mm-hmm. God is able to overcome. And there's the fact of you know calling out corruption, calling out hypocrisy, and saying, you know what, stop, stop, you know, confusing, stop adding, adding clamor to the message, you know, like, let's just, let's talk about Jesus. Let's look at him because you're just like messing this whole thing up for everybody, you know, distracting it. Right. Um, at the same time, there's like a, maybe a place of like, you know, calling, calling something out. But at the same time, I think that there's a, 
for me, whenever I sing the song, I'm also looking inward because I know that I, I think living the Christian life on, in a broken world is unfortunately also a life of hypocrisy at times in the mm-hmm. sense of we lift up one thing and we say Jesus and his standards and his love and his holiness and all this. And yet, of course, we still fall and we still make mistakes. And now that's, that's not to say that, you know, no excuse that like trying to say, oh yeah, go ahead, live your life of hypocrisy. But it's mm-hmm. like every time I call, every time I call out hypocrisy, I feel the reverberation in myself of saying, yeah, and I've been there too. Because mm-hmm. every time I've, I've, you know, said, yeah, like Jesus is the way or, you know, like mm-hmm. some, you know, some, like some very, you know, Easy spiritual, spiritual yeah. thing. I'm also, you know, pointing back at myself and, and, and every time I act in a way that's inconsistent with that, which we all do, um, and I certainly do, then I'm, I'm also standing in the place of the hypocrite for a minute. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just humbling to, to think about. Um, but also in kind of like those, you know, there's headlines all the time of like pain and and corruption and whatever in what's supposed to be the safe and beautiful place of mm-hmm. of of truth. Just being able to, you know, say, you know what, I know that exists, but that's not Jesus, and that's not that's <laughs> that not ain't Jesus. That's not the end mm-hmm. of that's not the end of hope, and that's not the mm-hmm. end of you know of of truth or beauty. So. Let's get past that, and that's jacked up. Let's go over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I do like that, because the concept of glory in the church sometimes, uh, depending on the context, like it's abstract. It doesn't make any sense. Right. But uh, the Bible talks about how one degree of glory to another. Mm. Like how he's... Yeah, moving he's, from glory to glory, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's beautiful imagery that it gives us, because glory, if you've got a full definition of it, and I'm not going to give one, I'm going to do this on purpose... There's an area of mystery there. Sure. And if you know Christ, Absolutely. Jesus, yeah. like you're being taken into glory. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't know him, that wonder, uh, you'll never experience. Sure. sure. And so acknowledging Yeah, the there's a ton of mystery with it. And uh being conformed to his image. I mean, I wonder what glory looks like in it when it's perfected. Sure. Absolutely. If, if if the if the pain and the and the heartache um in scripture is an allowance given to us by the Father yeah. so that we might become more like his son, I'm I'm eager to know when it's completely yeah. finished. Yeah, what we'll all look like. Well, I mean, like, and any anyone who's read the Book of Revelation can probably attest to the fact that glory described in the Bible is as confusing as all get out. Like, yeah. it's it sounds so weird and so mysterious and so like, you know, it's beautiful. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, but it sounds weird and yeah. like you know. But we we're gonna see that one day, and it's gonna fit into place and be incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing um, absent of his goodness, right? Yeah, like it's absolutely. it's his fullness. It's yeah. his full yeah. goodness on display. Yeah, like glory glory is not like the glare of the sun without the warmth of God's love. You know, it's yeah. like it's. it's I don't leave all... them with too much mystery, <laughs> right? You know, there right. is actual glory, and you can yeah. define it. His name is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. He's come in the flesh yeah. to show us like everything about God. Yeah. So I only said, like, leave you in mystery, because it does leave you wondering when you read those well, passages. Yeah, you're like, yeah. one degree of glory to the other. Yeah. How's that look? Yeah. And God's like, well, follow me. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I guess this is what it looks like to go on the path of glory. Yep. Yep. And that's a good title. The next one you had was um, Shipwreck. Yeah, Shipwreck Souls. Ship, shipwreck Souls. Yeah. So here we're, we're doing more depth of... Probably who God is, but our relation to other people. Yeah, so, you say souls. So yeah, what's going on with this song? So shipwrecked souls um, is kind of like the straight up 
pop rock song. It has really fun, almost like a, uh, I like to say it's like if Coldplay was covering an Ed Sheeran song in the 80s. <laughs> That's a pretty good match. So it's like, yeah. So um, <laughs> Coldplay, Ed Sheeran. Coldplay was covering Ed Sheeran in the 80s um, is kind of the sound and, and feel of the song. Did you start off with those intentions? Or no, it no, there? it was much more like an analysis because, you know, I write my songs on, on acoustic guitar almost always. And then... I took it to, and I guess I should I should throw this out there because I want to give a shout out to my Kickstarter family because we made this whole project. Um, the reason I, like I said a few minutes ago, I was thankfully able to put out a first project that I was actually really happy with, was because we we did it with an incredible team, and mm-hmm. that team uh, technically was my producer and engineer and everybody out in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, there's some really talented guys, Stuart Myers, Chris Coip. Um, they run a, a studio called White Star Sound, and they've nice. worked with some some really big names, much much cooler people than I. Um, they've uh, they did a Jason Mraz album there. They do Mandy Moore stuff there sometimes. Um, Parachute, like some really really cool fun music that they've been part of, um, and they were willing to work with me. But of course, you have to raise funds to like work with a real studio mm-hmm. and not get really crappy results. <laughs> so um, we ran a Kickstarter and uh, invited people to join that journey with us and say, you know, would you like to to be part of this project and help bring this music to life? And thankfully, scary, you know, uh, vulnerable experience. But thankfully, people said yes, and mm-hmm. we raised the funds we needed to make the project. We made it. Um, of course, like almost everybody who's done Kickstarter can tell you there's unexpected twists and turns. You know, I finally, we were able to finish everything, get all the rewards to everybody. And, and it was well received. And, and I was, you know, incredibly thankful for everybody who's part of it. So that was, um, that was, I, I should, since we're talking about the record, I should throw that out there. Mm-hmm. It's like, shout Absolutely. out to my Kickstarter backers, shout out to my producer. Because you and might need engineer. to do it again. Yeah, we might need to do it again, you know? So I mean, ever I have grateful. a lot more songs than mm-hmm. three. Uh, I've been <laughs> writing since I was eight. So. It's expensive to do yeah. just oh, one. Oh, man. Oh, tell Mastering me about Mastering is it. ridiculous. Yeah. Mastering and, and mixing and, you know, I mean, I, I appreciate it. It's it's art, you know? Like, these people, yeah. this is their art. Like, they've spent years becoming super good at mastering or mixing. And, and it makes a world of the difference yeah and you, you see have a the track difference. that's good but then yeah. you go through the actual process of yep. producing it yep it becomes excellent absolutely and absolutely. what we do um just in general yeah should be done with excellence yeah if yeah. you can achieve that as best as you as can as best you can yeah so about that shipwreck souls so yes some, summarize yeah. that for us real quick shipwreck souls um it's kind of a song about going through struggles and storms in life um there is uh uh, definitely a nautical reference there um, yeah. that is is not supposed to be hidden. It's kind of a song about the stormy times. And um, growing up in Virginia Beach, we got intense storms. Like, mm. you know, we didn't... I was terrified of tornadoes because I'd never seen a tornado. You know, it's like Kansas or something. I but, lived there and I saw those. Okay, yeah. so you know. Yeah, it's um, terrifying. But for me, and, you know, some people are terrified of hurricanes. For me, yeah. and this is horrible, but... I got excited as a little kid every time it was hurricane season because I I loved like an intense storm. So there's something about living on the coast. Is like, you live through them. Yeah, and you live through them. And 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 I thankfully mercifully my house wasn't like yeah. broken from it or something like so. Obviously not making light of the damage that hurricanes can inflict, but I loved the intensity of a storm. And yet those can be times of you know when we refer to stormy times in our life, it's like it's tragedy, it's heartbreak, it's um, confusion, whatever it might mm-hmm. be, the wind and the waves are blowing you around. And so 
Shipwreck Souls is kind of about this idea that we're all in this together, that we sometimes feel so isolated in our in our personal storms, like whatever they might be. I think that it's super easy when we're going through a, a rough time to feel like, man, I'm out here in the wind and waves trying to cling to my lifeboat, trying to cling to my oar, whatever it is, and we're out here just like in the wind and the waves. But mm-hmm. we've got to step back and realize that like just like, you know, survivors of a shipwreck or something, like you're not the only one out there. You're like you might be the only one you can see, but over that wave, three feet over, it's like there's other people trying to hang on for their dear life too. And it's mm-hmm. like there's something I think beautiful and important about realizing that yeah, we we can continue. We can move forward. We can make it to shore. We can, you know, we can live another day because we're in this together. We have we have people that we can lift up. We have a hope that we can look to and not to not to buy into the idea that this is your personal isolated alone and detached from the rest of the world shipwreck and everybody else is like chilling on the beach like, right. you know, sipping coconut lattes or something i don't know (laughs) i hear you (laughs) you know um and so that's kind of the idea yeah that that's that's shipwreck souls do you have any projects coming up um i i'm always writing i'm always i'm actually do you have an outlet where you can kind of like share with your audience your process yeah i try to show my my show my work show my process on on my social medias um you can follow me on instagram at daniel h official um, Daniel Heffington on, on Facebook. Actually, if you look up Daniel H official on Instagram or Facebook, you'll find, you'll find my, and my those that arts. follow the, uh, the podcast, we'll, we'll go ahead and at Daniel and we'll put all those cool. pertinence on. All there. right. I love it. All the technical stuff. Yes. So you've got, um, you got a place where you can showcase. Yeah. I'll, sh- I'll, you know, I'll, I'll show what I'm working on. I, I definitely am hoping to get into the studio, uh, hopefully this year and, and release some stuff. I'm always writing and demoing stuff as, as much as possible. And, and I have a lot of stuff I'm excited about to choose from. And if you're ever uh, wanting to come see me live, I'm, I'm booking shows through 2019 right now. So check out my website and my Facebook. And I play a lot of shows in the Northern Virginia, DC area. Um, but I, I also play shows in other places as, as the opportunities arise. So um, let's, so- let's hang out at a concert. So as a few closing thoughts here, as a yeah. bivocational musician yeah. and person who has a full-time job, yeah. what's a word of encouragement to that artist who believes right now is their moment and they should have it all, but yeah. that's not how it always is written out? Sure, sure. Um, well, You tell somebody patience, but what's that look like? Yeah, and and sometimes, I don't know, I, I when, when you're feeling that tension and feeling that you know tug so hard, I'm not sure that the most helpful thing is to just be like, be patient, dude. You know, like they're like, yeah, I kind of like assume (laughs) like I'm obviously having to be, you know, like, um, everyone's story is a little bit different. Some people it's like, they have the dream, they have the talent, the gift, whatever. And it turns into what they do full time forever. And there's some people where they do it full time for a a span of time, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're, they're on the road as a musician or they're making, you know, their, the majority of their income from a, a certain art form. That's great. And and if you feel like that's, you know, that's for you, like go after that. Like I, I think I think it's a combination of not despising where you are today and and being faithful to where you are today, like the whatever job it is or whatever situation it is that you're part of right now that's keeping you afloat, that's paying your bills, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do that and and find the beauty in it because there always is. You know, that you can like yeah. we were saying earlier, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can do it for a reason that's bigger than yourself. You can you can make it a truly beautiful thing. But also don't be afraid to say, okay, I want to 
transition to where I'm doing this, you know, this thing that I love more full time and pursue that and and take the opportunities. And I think it's kind of, it it will be evident to you if that's a thing that's going to become full time, or if it's a thing that you need to, to just kind of keep, keep just taking it one step at a time. And I mean, I'm, I'm somewhere in between that Mm -hmm. because I think that, you know, what I, the work I do with the nonprofit, I'm kind of in the, the, political and governmental sector i actually it's it's like politics and government combined with youth ministry but it's yeah. basically we actually teach high school students about government and politics through like these in-depth simulations where they can come and run for president or write legislation and so i think it's an amazing educational learning tool i believe in that stuff um and it's fun and i get to do that for my day job and then i get to do music and and songwriting and shows and worship leading all all these other times, and you're not discouraged by the fact that you no. have that full time job. It's no. actually an outlet for yeah, continual worship. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's 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 unique and it's special. And I think I don't really I don't know. None of us know what where we're going to be. And you know, some people have five year goals, but nobody knows where they're going to actually be in five years. So it's like we we don't we don't actually know that. And so I don't I don't spend a lot of time trying to say, oh, I wish this was different. I wish this was Mm -hmm. different because I know that before long things will be different and some things I'll love about that and some things I won't. So like I could see myself being a full-time musician someday. That could be awesome. I'd love to do like some, some, you know, real like touring and, and sharing lots of live shows with people and stuff. But I'm taking it one step at a time and mm-hmm. seeing, and you know, I don't know, I don't have a crystal ball that tells me, yeah, that's definitely going to be a thing. I know that it's somewhere, it's 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 a dream inside that that I think I think that it's important to pay attention to those things right. when when there's something that like really is speaking to us on a deep level. Um, don't just write that off and don't don't just say like, oh, whatever. I just need to suck it up and and live a hard life. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, but I think that sometimes we guilt trip ourselves and we're like we're like trying to talk ourselves out of a dream that maybe God put on our hearts for a reason. At the same time, we can take it too far and be like, just life sucks until X, Y, Z happens. You right. know, like this is the worst. I can't believe I'm stuck in this dead you end. You miss out on potentially you know, marrying yeah, the woman that you love. Yeah, like, and... like you miss out on so much. You miss out on like relationships and interactions yeah. and people and- Opportunities for growth. Yeah, yeah. How many times do we think about the- you know, the season we were in, we we're like, oh, that was miserable. Yeah. What did you learn? Yeah. What was exactly. the Lord teaching you? Did right. you pay attention? Right. Or are you repeating the same things and, that got you there? And what memories do you have from there that are like, because almost every season in life, even the worst ones, I have like some memory from there that I'm like, that was a special thing. That was a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you wouldn't have that if you weren't there at that time. So like, you know, there's, there's no, uh, you know, there, there's no prescription for saying, you know, this is what your path should be. Right. Um, but I do think that that we should we should ask the questions of saying, if what I'm doing right now is not feeling like my most fulfilling goal, though nothing feels like that all the time. But if you know if you're feeling like there might be something more that you're called to do, don't be afraid of that. You know, don't don't be afraid to ask the question. It's not it's not wicked or bad to say, what if things were different? Yeah. Um, but you should also not beat yourself up as where you are right now, even though you might eventually get somewhere else. Speaking of that, well, have, I said we're, we're going to close, but I have a question for okay. you. Uh, well, as a musician and yeah. someone who leads worship in the church, sure. what do you think worship in heaven is going to look like? Oh, man. 
Yeah. I, I ask this question often. And there's, okay. There's some subjective play there. Yeah, yeah. The Bible gives us a description of what's going to happen. Yeah, right? yeah. What do you wonder? Yeah. I, like? I mean, I think... It also opens up the definition of, like, what is worship? Right, right. I think it's... Yeah, and, and I think that you can... You know, we don't have two different words for, like, worship in the sense of, like, gathering together to sing songs of of worship and praise to God. Like, that's kind of a... A, a specific musical type of worship that we often have in church or something. But then as, as, as followers of Christ, you know, it's also clear in scripture that our whole lives are worship. Mm-hmm. And so anything, like we were saying earlier, you know, like there's not some like churchy, churchy job or some churchiness thing that makes this like that much more holy or something mm-hmm. because living life in a way that, that is motivated by, by, God being the main character of your story mm-hmm. versus you being the main character of your story. Like in some ways that's, I don't know if that's a definition of worship, but I think that that quickly gets you to, to, to living a life it, of it worship. It expands it out further than yeah. what you did with a bunch of people in a room. Right. Exactly. It's not, it's like not, you, you know, uh, are you a, you a godly man? Are right. You treating your wife well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are you a good brother? Uh, are you an employee that doesn't steal? Like those right, things right. correspond back to an attitude and a framework that considers God. Sure, sure. Worship is the consideration of who God is. Well, yeah, and it's also about, are you living life to make much of yourself and your name? Mm-hmm. Are you living life to the fullest? Like, like Christians should not be the ones living lame, reserved, boring lives. <laughs> we should not be the ones living, you know, these lives that are like <laughs> barely eking out, you know, joy. Mm-hmm. We should We should be living you know would you wild say the abundant and, life yeah i i wouldn't because that sounds like it has other connotations to it but you, but yeah but, but abundant flooded, yeah yeah, yeah. You're like your uh launch pad wasn't your own excitement but it's the right. excitement that you have a life right and you exactly. have a life to live yeah and, and, and you're going to live it yeah yeah and, I mean, and you have like this you know i think that that again we put we put more boxes on ourselves than i think god even wants to put on us where it's like live a life that is like life to the full live a life that is exciting live a life that you're pursuing these dreams and desires that god's put on your heart don't spend so much time questioning like every little step as long as you're seeing that this is heading in a direction that is life-giving that is living in truth that is living in you know in in goodness then do that but don't do it as an end in itself right do it as an outlet and a vehicle to live a life that is that is reflecting god and his character th- to the world and then let the the lasting imprint of your legacy be be god not not right. just oh daniel heffington's a great person you should get to know him you know like yeah. like that's nice if somebody says that about me but that's not what i want you know to be laying on my deathbed and like mm-hmm. daniel heffington was a great person glad i got to know him right <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's no. it's like that's not i don't know that doesn't inspire me to live a whole life. Yeah, you know, like, it's like heaven will get the absence of Daniel Heavington's sin. Right. So right. that yeah. Daniel Heavington is having more fun than oh, we are yeah, down here. Absolutely. By... And to get back to your question, because yeah. we kind of got like That's down fine. down a rabbit trail, I think, but it was a good rabbit trail. Yep. Good rabbits down there. Um, but about worship what worship will look like in heaven, obviously I can't actually know that. But I have some some ideas yeah. and I think it's gonna be 
one I, like, like i think it's just going to be incredible like if you're if you're a person of faith if you've been around church if you've been part of like musical worship times and stuff if you've had if you can picture like the best moment of feeling like you know the veil between heaven and earth was like visibly torn and like you know the the glory of god was shining through and you could almost like taste it you're like oh my gosh this is such a special moment and you felt like it was a little glimpse of heaven take that feeling mm-hmm. magnify it by eternity <laughs> and stretch it across endless time and you're like maybe that's what worship in heaven is going to be like and that's yeah. like man like how how much more exciting could that be and and you know that, one of the things i do love about like those moments of being a being a worship leader and like mm-hmm. standing on stage and leading other people in in singing songs about jesus it's like that you know, though, though all, like we've just said, all of life is worship. There's, you know, living your life to glorify God. That is the definition of worship. But, you know, standing together and, and declaring God's truth and his character the and, assembly and his of praise, the praise, like that is clearly a lot of what we're going to be doing in heaven. And that type of like corporate musical worship is going to be off the charts. And like, mm-hmm. that's one reason I love it. And that's one reason I would never want to do just like pop rock music in venues it, like only and then like never leave worship again is because because you get a it's like a status, taste yeah. you get that you get like this taste of like wow this is what i was created to do right and not only that but this is what i'm going to be doing for eternity one day and it's going to be mind-blowing and it's like the <laughs> most that that's the thing is like the most special powerful time of worship you've ever experienced magnify that you know more than you could possibly imagine stretch it out for for unending time and that's i mean that mm-hmm. that that's exciting you could like say definitely, i can it's nothing less than that it's nothing less than that and we're you know you we're sitting here with these super limited yeah. perspectives mm-hmm. so it's got to be way more than that and you're like you're with like the absence of sin yeah I mean, like that's the hindrance because we've you're, never you're yeah. in worship sometimes you're judging the other people right right, right. he's not raising his hand right that person smells you're bringing so much human earthly, earthly baggage yeah. you know to the equation and and you're sweating i sometimes right. sweat oh yeah i, yeah, I totally do yeah and it's like all of that like you know you're bringing this you're bringing this you know earthly Un- earthly scent. baggage with you yeah and still it's beautiful and still it's yeah. powerful and, so and in the name of it. jesus how that purifies even those moments where sure. you're in your weakness sure. i mean there's times in worship where i'm singing hymns. i love hymns cool I'm singing hymns in church and it's got a contemporary yeah music style to it but i'm singing this hymn and it's just hit, hitting the feels yeah you know what i mean absolutely but then you're also in the moment you're like i gotta repent because this thing <laughs> pops up and you're like i am not sure. holy like sure. you, in sure. the moment the of that yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a key component in emotionally sure. being engaged with who yeah. God is because He wants all of our heart, He wants yeah. all of our soul, our strength. And uh, when you're in the assembly of the redeemed, those songs that speak to us, those hymns, those spiritual songs, the melodies, they conjure up. That's not probably the right right word, but they bring out from yeah. the midst of the praise, yeah. um, the the recognition of He is holy, right? He is worthy of these right. words of our yeah. attention, of yeah. all of our affections. You, we get we get a you know, a a taste as as full of an experience as we can of God's like presence and mm-hmm. and glory and and he he is he says that you know he is with us like 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 the Holy Spirit you know Jesus is is with us here on earth but I know that for him to be you know with us in spirit is only going to be crazy mm-hmm. magnified in in you know 
intensity and in, in amazingness when we are standing face to face and you know that and then we get to start worshiping so it's like mm-hmm. get, and that's what you know i've i've literally said when i'm standing in front of a group inviting them to like stand and sing and and worship god it's like this is what we're going to be doing for all of eternity so let's start the party now yeah, because it's like yeah. let's, let's like and it's not like you know it's i i know as a kid it's like the most terrifying thing is like are you going to be in heaven like singing you know how have you ever been in a worship yeah. service where like the worship leader can't know he doesn't know when to stop the song yeah and just goes on forever and ever you're like okay we're repeating the chorus one more time mm-hmm. and then you think it's done and then just the guitar Boom. rings out and you're like we're back to the bridge now we've got <laughs> at least two more choruses ahead of us you know yeah and then it's like okay it's like that's not heaven that's mm-hmm. like you feel tr- you know there's not going to be a sense of feeling trapped and like oh here we go again which is again like know? the absence of sin like i'm not right, i don't want right. to be here and god's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. but i'm so good he's but not it's trying also to woo like, us back over no but it's also like we're not going to be you know we're not going to be left with worship leaders who sometimes make stupid decisions in heaven <laughs> like you know, <laughs> and i count myself in there you know it's right. like yeah, no, it's gonna I, be better. It's gonna, it's be, gonna better. be so much better. So yeah. Jesus is a greater worship leader. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. we have a whole bunch of those in the scripture. Jesus is a better. Yeah. And uh, don't let some of those worship leaders on earth know that Jesus will be better than them. <laughs> um, one last thing here, and it's coming up: the March of Life. Yeah, March so, for Life. March for Life. Yeah. Um, this is an event where I've never been, but oh, really? I'm clearly uh, for people for yeah. for them to receive the gospel and they yeah, have to be yeah. alive in order for them to receive absolutely. that truth absolutely and we have a um i don't have a problem saying this a holocaust mm. of uh the unborn being taken from us mm. and it's a sad story of the permissibility of outright murder mm-hmm. of children in the wombs of their uh supposed to be the safest place they should be sure uh and there is a precedence in our culture that because of circumstances and permissibility and acceptability of the innocence of the person who is the mother, right? Um, she can make a choice to land, to basically end the life of another. Mm-hmm. And so the March for Life yep. um, brings this conversation on a national level to the yeah. nation. Yeah. And it basically says, no, there's more. Yeah. There's more than just a choice. And yeah. the parameters by which this conversation has been fixed into a box. Right is not okay morally. It's right. not okay for our society, how we live with one another. Because ultimately, if we don't cherish life at the uh, the point of its very immediately beginning, yeah. how are we supposed to be in a society that cherishes individual lives? Right, right. Or groups. Yeah. yeah. Or right. we've marginalized and we've taken advantage of many people groups in right. this nation right. for a whole right. like long time. Absolutely. And so here's an argument that all people should be like behind yeah and yeah. it is the defense of the unborn because they're they are literally the ones that are not able to right. have life and liberty in right. the pursuit of happiness but obviously it there that's not the consensus today like that's not the overwhelming uh agreed upon consensus in our country See, i didn't say it's law you i know? said it's precedence right right and you right. know the difference between that sure the supreme sure. court decision yeah yeah and this is an awkward thing where it is not the law of the land technically right. it's a precedence that's right. not going to be overturned until um, there is the will of the people. Right. Wasn't right. it Clarence Thomas who basically said until the will of the people uh, comes together and ask the moral outrage or the moral mm-hmm. outcry of the people mm-hmm. comes to the attention that this is unacceptable, this will continue to be precedence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, so, I don't, I'm not cool enough to know if that was Clarence Thomas or not. It was Clarence not. Thomas. Okay, the moral I'll outcry. I'll take your word for it. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, that's one of the issues that that I have spent a a, a decent amount of time dealing with um in my in my day job and just in my personal life is is I'm a I'm a a pro life um advocate, and that comes from not some arbitrary decision to be a pro life advocate or like you know be part of the uh you know quote unquote pro life movement like you know right. it's not some arbitrary decision it comes from the fact that I consider myself kind of on a on a on a bigger scale not in like a inflated way but just in like where my heart is to be an advocate for human rights and um you said something like this a minute ago but the right to be alive that's the most foundational of human rights because if you're not allowed to be alive then you're not allowed to enjoy any of these other rights that um we believe humans have you mm-hmm. know that, that that it's it's a you know essential integral thing it's the dignity of life it's the sanctity of life and right. so that's something i i definitely believe in something i i support and i've uh had the had the blessing to be part of the march for life for um a number like a lot of times and um do some like worship and music stuff uh you know kind of around that uh in dc um but yeah if you know it's it's if you have the chance to go you should go it's really uh it's really good. And There's, you'll be there, right? I will this be there. Year? Yeah, I will you'll be there. You'll have a booth or you'll um, be there just... I'll be there doing a bunch of different things. So, so if I'll they follow there. you on Instagram yeah, or social media, you'll be I'll get the word out. That. Yeah, yeah we'll, we can meet up So if you something. want to meet Daniel and you want yeah. to be engaged and you're in the uh, Northern Virginia area yeah. and in D.C., yeah, yeah, that's one place you can connect with him. Sure. That absolutely. and also his social medias yep. and his website, which was? My website is danielheffington.com, but not to... Uh, ruin your wrap up here but just before we before we leave that topic of like the issue of of you know human life um what i always like to say when i kind of open that conversation which it's a long conversation it's not even though i believe that that it's crucial to protect life it is not a conversation without complexity it's not a conversation without um you know messiness because but um I think what I, you know, what I would encourage anyone who's maybe, who's maybe just like quick to kind of talk about being pro-life or something, just remember that being pro-life is so much more than being anti-abortion. Right. It's so much more. And if it's not more inside our own minds and hearts, then I think we need to reevaluate where we're at. Because um, if, if being pro-life and valuing human life doesn't extend to everybody involved you know not just an unborn child but the mother and the father of the unborn child you know the the community of that unborn child you know it's like that if our if our love and compassion only stops once once you're uh out there breathing and then we're like welcome to the world you're on your own <laughs> then i think that we've totally missed the mark on the issue and so that's something that that you know we could talk about forever more time than we have here um and it also is funny that and I, I'll say this, and I'll take the flack, not Daniel. Yeah. That those people who are pro-life usually are the ones that are so anti-government that when this child comes into the world, those systems that are set up as na- as uh, um, safety nets, right. they look at that as right. Well, that's welfare. Right, right, right. Well, that's something that the government right. shouldn't be involved with. And it's right. like, all right, well, again, going back to the pro-life question, yeah. how far are you willing to take that right. logical conclusion? Because exactly. yeah, yeah. If we're looking at the demographics, those that are at risk for these abortions right. if usually you're, have if you're considering abortion because you don't think you can sustain or take care of a kid mm-hmm. then a good way to convince you to you know protect the life that you know has been entrusted to you 
is not to talk about how we're definitely not going to help you take <laughs> yeah. care of this kid. Like, yeah, that's so that's so counter and again, counterproductive. Of, you know, um, there are a lot of people out there who are just ideologically sure, sure pro-choice, yeah. right? They right, just right. they're there, right? Whether they've had their abortion or not, yeah, they're there. The, the shout your abortion campaign, right, like right. that's a tragedy. Like they're right. exploiting like just a terrible thing. Sure, but when you look at it, it's kind of like you were saying. It's like, well, how how far? Are we willing yeah. to take this thing? Yeah. And one of the answers that I've kind of come to the conclusion is we'll go back to the mandate of the commission, the great commission to mm-hmm. make disciples. And if you want to make hearts and lives actually changed in this world, in this culture, preach the gospel. Sure. Present yep. a life that is transparently different yep. and distinct and go out and talk to your neighbor. Right. Ask them the hard questions of right. where are you coming from? Yeah. What's and, your life story? And also, who are you? When you're meeting a stranger who has a need, you know, if you're a Christian, you're trying to come from a scriptural perspective. How many times did Jesus like walk up to a complete stranger and just light into them about with like judgment and condemnation about their life? Yeah. It was always this like, you know, coaxing conversation. It was always with gentleness. It was always with grace and understanding. And lots of times he started by meeting a real physical Mm-hmm. need that was holding them back in life you know whether it was a, a a sustenance thing or a health thing or something like that he would meet that need and then he'd be like now let's talk about eternity now let's yeah. let now let's talk about your soul you know like i think so often we'll we'll come into a situation and you know if we were looking with different eyes, we might see these raging needs that are like overwhelming this person's right. reality and we're like do you know Jesus? Like, you know, if you knew him, you wouldn't be acting. If you this knew way. him, you wouldn't be acting this way. You know, lots of judgment for you. And don't you dare do any of X, Y, or Z things because then I'll really judge you and, you know, have a nice life. And it's right. like that we're not getting anywhere with that. And so um, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about there. But I think that, you know, it starts with valuing, it starts with valuing people and it starts with valuing life. And, and it, in valuing every stage of life, but then mm-hmm. not stopping, you know, once you, once you're a person out in the world, you know, living and breathing on your own, mm-hmm. um, not saying, okay, great. Now you're on your own. This super kind of like isolationist mentality. And so anyways, that's just kind of the, the emphasis there is saying that, you know, you can be a pro-life person. You can advocate for something that I think is one of the most important and foundational and beautiful fundamental human rights but do it in a way that is actually winsome and in a way that is actually um, loving and reaching out to people and not in a way that, that is primarily judging people and then also condemning them to try to make things better by themselves. Yeah. Especially if we're dealing with people who are not saved or unborn. Yeah. Calling darkness to do a light. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They're not going to be able to do that. Right. Um, Right. You can, so we should, we should try to, make it as as appealing and as simple and as as compassionate and as compassionate as possible and then you know hopefully we're going to be protecting unborn life but then also hopefully loving and 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 helping and being a blessing to the lives of the humans that are are, you know right there that we're talking to Mm -hmm. you know yeah and i'll just add don't be a horrible person yeah, don't be a, don't be a horrible person. Like it's, and it's like life's hard enough already. Yeah, yeah. Life don't is, contribute right. to that surplus uh, yeah. horribleness. And don't and don't assume that because somebody is doing something that you may 
as I do, you know, very much disagree with. And even um, if God has condemned it, and like it's a yeah, sin, yeah, like finish your thought, but yeah, like, yeah, we do all these things, right? Right, it's kind of like, oh, well, not my sin, it's theirs, right? Exactly, but yeah, if there's something that like you feel it strongly about, you know, that, that's that's important, that's great, but don't just use that as some sort of a license to just whoop up on them and mm-hmm. and and trash them, like, like you know, one, if your goal is to actually help unborn children, you know, how how effective do you think that's really going to be? It's like, just, you know, whip up on people and make them feel horrible about themselves. Secondly, usually people in, in a situation where they're even, you know, considering something like abortion is because there's there's a, a need or a crisis or a perceived, mm-hmm. like, you know, just something really real and and really human and really, you know, there, there's an issue. There, there's something that, that is... You know, it's not the majority of people. They're just like, "Oh, this sounds fun." Yeah, there's That's gross not... stories of people being exploited, probably sure. all over the place. Sure, for absolutely. Ideological reasons. Yeah, and they, you know, they highlight those. Yeah. Like, look how wonderful yeah. abortion right. is. I don't think that speaks to the actual right. concern that is. No, behind. the statistics show that it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. So those that are out there, are like, yeah, but I saw on. It's like, yeah, but have you ever met somebody who's gone through this right. tragedy and right. the statistic of women who are in their forties? Right. Like that's not your typical statistic in your mind. Yeah. That and, associates back with what an abortion. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's so much, there's so much um, fear and pressure in the conversation mm-hmm. that people need somebody who's not just going to add fear and pressure to their reality, but somebody who's going to add hope and a way out. And if you do that, you're gonna you're gonna be already in a in a far down the field in in good things coming out of this situation. And I have only heard of uh, people who have come through as advocates for pro-life or pro-choice um, non-profits, their redemptive story is that they saw the error of their way, not through the disgusting aspect of their life, although that was probably convincing as well, sure. but they saw the light of Christ. They sure. saw the truth of yeah. what was you know, being veiled yep. by our society, by the precedents, sure. and also just by their conscience. You know, Things along the way get compromised, Yep. yep. and uh, if we're not a whole people who is trying to honor God in every area of life... Right. Um, and we isolate ourselves only to our Christian bubble world, yeah. then it goes back to what we were talking about with you as a Christian artist or an artist who is a Christian. Is We must infiltrate. We must go and make an outpost of righteousness. Right. And wherever you're at, trying, tr- trying to shine that light of the gospel into that sphere of influence with your talents and sure. with your Absolutely. Uh, careers. And so, Daniel, I want to thank you for coming on our podcast. Hey, I it's the the privilege and pleasure is all mine. So thanks for having me. And we'll we'll spotlight some of Daniel's um, social media on our social medias and the website. And maybe we'll we'll even throw something up on the website that goes right back to his EP. Cool. And appreciate you, man. Thanks thank, for coming on. Thank you. And Cody. for the listening audience, we want to thank you for listening to us again on the Shield Wall podcast. And until next week, hold the line. your eyes across the table words have yet to form you would cry if you were able but you're dry as a bone all of us are searching for shelter from the storm 
We're all, we're all, we're all, we're all. 